Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R. from California, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, May 18th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 63, the first paragraph. The reference number for Tuesday, May 17th, is 8747. Today's readers are Linda R., Mary K.W. and Chelsea H. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 steps. Hi, this is Esther F., a grateful compulsive overeater from Cleveland. The 12 steps, number one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we have harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, properly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to cure that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to the compulsive overeater and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. And I pass. Thank you, Esther S. And I will now ask Barbara N. to read the 12 traditions. Thank you. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, everyone on the line. This is Barbara N. Grateful, compulsive overeater, recovered just for today. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, the loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 
Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara N. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 63, starting with the first paragraph and reading through to the second paragraph. The first paragraph is read for context only, and the comments will be focused on the second paragraph. I will now ask Linda R. to begin reading. Good morning, Julie. Thank you so much for your service. Linda R. recovered in South Florida. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer, Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully. As we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. We were now at step three. Many of us said to our maker as we understood him, 
God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Wow, this is to me such an emotional step as I, as I read it before a prayer. Because I say this is part of my daily uh, meditation. I, I turn my life and my will over to God each day in the third step prayer. And the way that I see this is this, once I get to third step, and once I say this prayer, I have had a lot of time to be out there in my research in life and to really hit the bottom, stop my struggle. The struggle has led me to this complete surrender of turning my life and my will, which has gotten me in so much trouble and sometimes still does with this third step prayer. I also want to share that I rejoice with this prayer because it shows me that I am now part of a fellowship. And that as I work the program, I can be an attraction and not a promotion. And as I sponsor people, I have something to give as a result of making this daily decision and sometimes many times throughout the day, turning my life over. I am clear. I'm a clear vessel so that I can work this program effectively and and give it back. The other thing is that I really, when the decision comes, it's just making a decision with the rest of the steps that are coming after this, I must decide. However, I must take the action and work the rest of the steps effectively as I work the the program. This is really like asking God to take over the management of my life. And it's now a conscious decision because when I first came into program, I was unconscious. I was asleep. And as a result of really doing the powerlessness in step one, and coming to believe in a personal higher power in step two, I'm able to truly, truly have my guide who will direct me and show me and and really lead me in this um, process of the 12 steps. That last word, abandon, I must abandon myself utterly to God. And really, you know, again, I thought well before taking this step, making sure that I'm really committed And in closing, I just want to say that working this program to me is a lifelong commitment. It's not just a daily, you know, saying that I'm on a diet and I'm working a food plan. This to me is total abstinence committed to turning my life and my will over to the higher power that I have come to spiritually enlarge and have a partnership with. Thank you very much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Linda R. And we will be focusing our comments on the second paragraph that was read. Who would like to share? Charles H. Kim G. Reva P. Okay, Nessa R. Charles Kim. Larry. Monica Tina S. Reva Larry, P. Mon- Monica. Sally. Hold on, Reva P. After Reva P. Before Sally, there was somebody. Okay. Well, we will start with Nessa R. Charles H. Kim G. So, Nessa, go ahead. 
Hi, thank you. Good morning. This is Nessa R, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. I, I want to apologize first for interrupting. I jumped again a bit too, too early. Um, but what speaks to me is um, this concept of remove my difficulties. So does that mean that if I make this decision and I follow through with the steps, God is going to give me everything I want. He's going to give me a big house and lots of money and obedient children who, you know, take out the garbage when I want and only sunny days and good health and, you know, all these things that I've always wanted. Um, And I guess the answer is, I don't know, but maybe, maybe not, because these are not my difficulties. The fact that I don't have enough money and that my children don't obey me when I ask them to do something, that I live in a small house, you know, etc. Those are not my difficulties. Those are my circumstances. My difficulties arise out of myself. My difficulties are the way I perceive reality because of my character defects, because I am selfish, self-seeking and dishonest and fearful in those clouds judgment. So what this means, remove my difficulties, mean is that I'm going to undergo, as a result of this step, a personality change that is totally going to change the way I think and the way I perceive the world so that when I now think are my problems and my difficulties will cease to be my problems and my difficulties. And, you know, as a result of working the steps, um, that has happened to me, you know. I uh, I still have the same circumstances as I did, you know, four and a half, five years ago before I was recovered. I still live in a small house. We still struggle to make things meet. You know, sometimes my children listen, sometimes they don't. Sometimes I get a, 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 I deal with nice people, easy to deal with, sometimes I don't. But my attitude has changed. The way I deal with everything has changed because now I'm not so focused on me and my little plans and designs. Instead of focusing on what I need and what I want, I'm focused on what I'm needed for and of being of service. And that just has made the, the difference um, in my life, a complete and total difference in my life. So have my, have my circumstances changed? Not so much. Have my difficulties been removed? Yes, because I have been transformed into a new person who is now focused on others instead of myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessar. I'd like to remind everyone to please mute. It sounds like somebody's in the kitchen. Thank you very much. Charles H., you're next. Thank you, Julie. I hope they're in the kitchen with Evie getting that good news. Anyway, uh, Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater just for today. You know, God, I offer my, my, my resentments to you. I offer my fears to you. Um, I offer everything to you, right? And I, I just want to say this, because, you know, I get calls and I love and I make calls and I get calls from people that, you know, they say, you know, I, 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 I did the steps and, um, but, you know, and, and it's hard. Like, like I know it, it, it takes a lot of humility to admit where, 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 what, what happened, right? I know what happened for me. I rested on my laurels, but every single day I have to make a decision, right? And 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 watch this, watch this. Um, 
take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those that would help. So in the third step, when you're making a decision to go on with the rest of the work and turning over your food and, 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 and going through four through nine, you still make that decision every single day. You don't just make it and think it's on. Abstinence and recovery is not on automatic. Like, like you know, I'm helping people making this decision. I no longer go to work and steal Ray Ray lunch no more. I don't do that no more. I don't steal my kids' uh, cereal no more. I don't be doing that talking about, and then I stole it knowing darn well I'm going to help them look for it knowing darn well it's consumed. So even in this third step, I'm helping people right now. Like, I'm not acting out on people that, you know what I mean, that, that I think deserve to be acted out on, right? Like, I swallowed it. Like, yesterday I was at work. I wanted to go to the studio after work. My guy said, oh, I'm waiting on the bus. Three hours later. I'm not going to say I wasn't tight. I was tight. I wrote about the resentment. But I didn't. I, how I was selfish, I didn't say nothing to him. He came in. Usually we have a little small talk. I just walk right out. But I wrote about it because I made a decision not to flip on this dude because things happen. I've been late, right? So take away my difficulties. That was a difficult period. Like, who you think? I'm Charles H. You, you won't come to work three hours late. You work for me. But things happen. Right, so making this decision every day. Now we hear on the line that thoughts are, you know, every action is born in thought. But um, every decision make make sure that baby come through, that baby comes out into life. You make a decision, that action is going is going to work for you uh, one day at a time. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Julie, for your service. Thank you, Charles H. And again, I'd like to remind everybody to please hit star one. There is still some people unmuted. And Kim G, you are next. Good morning, Joel. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. To build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. I love that line. You know, my father's a Marine, and when he talks about boot camp, which he went to 50 years ago, it's like it's, it happened yesterday for him. You know, and he talks about the fact, you know, when they come into boot camp, I think it's like 11 to 13 weeks, they don't start making you a Marine when you, when you walk in that first day. The first thing they do is they strip the civilian out of you. They get you so you have no identity. And when you are busted and broken down, that's when they build you up into the, into the few and the proud. I mean, I saw a picture of my father when he went to boot camp, and he was this young, skinny, tall kid with an Elvis DA, and that they saw the picture when he graduated from boot camp and he had put on like 30 pounds of muscle, had this termination on his face in that buzz cut. You wouldn't even know it was the same person. That's what happens with this process. God is going to now build us into who we were always meant to be, but the first thing we had to do was go through this doctor's opinion up to this page to be broken down, to come to the conclusion I, need a, I am powerless, to come to the conclusion I need a power, and now we're making that decision. Step one is the death of the food. I have to be abstinent. I have to get all those foods out of my system so my mind can be addressed. And in step three, I'm confronted with what life is like when I'm living on self, and it's the death to the self. And when we come out the other side of that process, we are going to be transformed. We are going to be reborn. You know, it says here that we bear witness, and I like that. Because I don't know about your guys' experience in a way, but my experience is that we become junior therapists. We think we're going to fix people. We look for someone we can relate to because they want, we want them to fix our marriage or our children or our past trauma. That's not what this is about. We're going to bear witness. 
So if you've had an abusive childhood, you're not going to help someone with their abusive childhood. What you're going to do is you're going to bear witness that even with that abusive childhood, you can do these steps and you can recover. Even if you have a history of a divorce or a death of a family member, you're going to bear witness that you, can, that you are able to work these steps regardless of your current circumstances. So we're not here to fix people. We're here to bear witness to people. And one of the things that I do with the girls I work with is after they do step three, I ask them to go out and bear witness, to call a newcomer, to let them know that they had to put the food down, to let them know it's only taken a couple weeks, to let them know what that experience is like because that experience becomes stronger as we share it with another person. That is the beauty of this program is we are going to be able to bear witness, not again, not to fix people's trauma, but we're going to bear witness that regardless of the circumstances, you can do these steps. You can get connection with a higher power of your understanding, and you can recover, recover from this, this um, seamless, hopeless state of mind and body. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Larry K. will be next, followed by Monica T. Thank, thank you so much. <clears throat> I appreciate it. This is Larry K., uh, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Um, so, you know, in step three, right, we're making a decision. And, uh, and I need to know what that word means. Um, for a decision to mean anything at all, um, it always requires further action. It's always going to require further action. You know, if we decide or, or make up our own mind to turn our will and our life over to the care of God as, as we understand God, that decision alone will not turn it over. And I didn't get that. I didn't get that. That decision alone will not turn it over. Um, we're going to have to take some actions. And for me, it was helpful to know that, um, and I don't know about you, but, but I needed to detach from the outcome because I'm not in charge of the outcome. I just make a decision to take some actions here in this affirmative declaration we just read. You know, so... Um, you know, when I detached from that outcome, which was helpful to me, you know, I can tell you that, for example, that I affirm, I'll tell you right now, whoever's online, I affirm to make a decision to help care for my mother. She's going to need some care going forward here. Um, but I haven't done anything yet in telling you even publicly that I'm making that decision. It takes some action. So here, here's some of the actions I have to take. One, I have to make a decision. Okay, that's a starting point. Good. Good. You're on the right track, Larry. Step two, I've got to make specific arrangements to do that. You know, I've got to, I've got to set up, okay, when am I going to do it? What, what, what logistics need to be handled and so forth? I've got to move forward. I've got to, um, you know, I've got to uh, collaborate with siblings and so forth to see, you know, who's, who's doing what, you know. Um, and then, and even then, that's not enough. Now I've got to go do it. I've got to get off. I've got to get off my butt and then and implement that action plan. And it's not really challenging. It's simple. It's pretty simple when I lay out the steps of what I'm going to do. The thing is, is what's hard is seeing those actions through. Now, I don't know what my, what my care is going to do. I can detach from the outcome there. It feels, you know, intuitively like that's a good thing that I'm doing, and I know it's appreciated. But I can detach from the outcome. The point is I have to move forward with those actions. And guess what? Tomorrow I've got to make another decision and then implement those actions. It's, I don't make the decision once. That's what these steps are. 
That's what this program, it's action, it's action, it's always action. Um, but thank God that I have a design for living that works today, that I do every day, imperfectly, imperfectly, right? Because then when I do it every day, I get that result every day, and I'm in alignment with my higher power. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Monica T., you're next. Good morning, Julie R. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So here we are. We were now at step three. Now, I don't know about you all, but this decision and this place, me being at step three, was born out of pain. Pain brought me here. And I didn't understand all this stuff. And I wasn't too sure of my understanding of the God of my understanding. And this can be pretty daunting to a lot of us when we come to this prayer here, this decision, this prayer, this God stuff. So I'd just like to share with you what I what I experienced with this. So my sponsor and I got down on our knees and we held hands and we said this prayer together. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self. Now, that sounded good to me. Relieve me of the bondage of self. I like that idea. That I may better do thy will. Mm, well, Monica wasn't too sure about that. That didn't quite sound like so much fun, but, you know. And then it went on, take away my difficulties. I also like that. And in all honesty, there's a lot of noise on the, on the line. Please. And in all honesty, that's where I was. And I said, okay, you know, I'm powerless here. My way isn't working. Take away my difficulties. That sounds good to me. Okay, I'm just making a decision here. I'm going to continue working through the steps because my way isn't working. And it's been so interesting to me to see the evolution, revolution, evolution of this prayer as I went through the process. Today, looking back over my shoulder onto this prayer, and every time I bring somebody, guide somebody through this, I see how it, my thinking changed. It went from me, 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 you know, relieve me of the bondage of self, relieve me of my difficulties to so that I can bear witness to others, that I can bear witness. Yes. Today I can read this and go, yes, this is true. And as a result of working through the steps. Now, it was also pointed out to me that there's no amen at the end of this prayer, that the amen is going to come at the end of step seven, but that everything between here and there was to be done under the umbrella of prayer. And every aspect, there's, there's lots of prayers here in the book for us to use. And I guess with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Monica T. Reba P. will be next, and then Sally A. Go ahead, Reba P. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. I wanted to share on the last sentence about abandoning myself utterly. Um, so my version of abandoning is, um, you know, the food's not working out. Yeah, I'll abandon that. You can take that. Please help me it work out and, you know, help get my weight in order. But things like, um, you know, work, because that's very important to me, I don't know that I'm going to abandon that completely because I don't know when I abandon, you know, what's it going to look like in the end. So this uh, step reminds me, 
that when I make a decision, I'm not just deciding which things I give over, which things I'm going to work the steps on, because the decision is just, am I going to do the work? I don't really need to stay at step three for years because, as has been beautifully shared, I'm not turning over anything yet. I'm making a decision that I'm willing to do the work, and in the process of doing the work that's coming, things will get turned over um, just by nature of going through the step work um, in order and sequence. Um, So when I make this decision um, to turn things over, I have to know that I don't get to decide, you know, what I'm going to control and continue to control in my life and what I don't. It's utterly everything, everything, because everything I've done, not just the food, the food is really the tip of the iceberg. Everything in my life is becoming unmanageable by the time I get to this point. And, um, I also wanted to share, as has been said, you know, difficulties. I thought I would give God my difficulties, which was everything on the outside, all the people that were annoying me, all the situations that weren't working out, and I'm going to do the steps and everything's going to magically transform the way I want it to go. Um, And you know what? I don't even have to know that it's not going to be that way in step three. I just have to be willing to do the work because things are not working out in my life Um, and especially with the food. Um, And with that, I pass. Thank you, Rita P. And Sally A., you're next. Good morning. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, Envision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey. And uh, so many great things have been said. I, I have a lot of thoughts about this paragraph and really about this step because um, when I reach step three, okay, there's an interesting background noise. (laughs) Will everyone please mute their line? There's music in the background, star one. (laughs) Thank you for that background music, but I don't need it. Okay, so um, what I wanted to share with you this morning is... uh, I told you on a swing. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think Leia, Leia will mute the line. Okay, super. Thank you, Leia. Okay. Hi again. It's Sally, recovered in South Jersey, and here we are at uh, step three. And so many great things have been said, but I do have a few additional thoughts on this. Um, the most important thought was that when I reached step three myself, I wasn't like Kim. Um, forgive me, Kim, for cross-talking, but Kim often talks about that one, two, three, one, two, three waltz that people do. I didn't do that one, two, three, one, two, three waltz. I was like the horse in the gate that was just banging on the walls of the gate and was absolutely determined to ignore step one, two, and three. Get me out of the gate. I'm ready for step four. I don't even want to do step one, two, and three. Just get me to step four. I'm at step four. I would tell every sponsor, I'm good with God. I got that part. I don't need to do one, two, and three. Just get me to step four. I was chomping at the bit. And fortunately, I had a very wise sponsor who recognized my lack of of willingness to surrender to the process. Because that's what I did. I, I, I didn't have the surrender to this process. I wasn't willing to take somebody's hand 
and let them lead me. I was even then, in the middle of the process, in step three, I was holding my sponsor's hand. Okay, I'll hold your hand, but I was dragging her like a three-year-old child. Come on, let's go to step four. Because I didn't want step one, two, and step three. Because for me, step one, it really is a very clear picture at this time in history. Step one is me in the quicksand. That's all so simple. Bill did a great job. He paints this picture. It's Sally doing like a a, a around the circle of the quicksand and falling in. And then step two is me climbing out and saying, okay, I believe that you're there. I'm not sure that you want to help me, but I know you're there. And me struggling with that belief and then getting to step three. And here we are at last abandoning ourselves utterly to him. That means me giving up control of even the process of doing the steps. That's me abandoning because I was the control freak of the century. And for me, step three is I surrender. I surrender to this process. You tell me that this is going to work, and I've tried it my own way for 29 years. And now I'm going to let you take my hand, and I'm going to stop pulling on you and dragging you to the finish line and let you set the pace for me because you know me better than I do because I'm that sick. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you, Sally A. And would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Renata. Tina S. Katie from Boston. Melissa Okay. Hold on, Renata, G, Stacy, uh, Stacy, Katie, Katie. Katie. I have Tina S, Katie G. And I have you, Katie, already. Okay. Oh, thank you. Sorry. Um, James after T. James T. No, Melissa C. Okay, we're going to stop there. And Renata G, Stacy T, Katie G, Tina S. So Stacy T, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Renata G. Renata, you're next. Thank you, Julie, for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G, Recovered Compulsive Read in New York. I want to focus on, you know, um, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Because that's really, for me, what step three is. Um, And, you know, like, the question came in my mind this morning, like, you know, how do I do that, right? Like, how do I utterly abandon myself? And the big book, you know, talked about it before. You know, like on page 60, um, it says that, you know, when we turn our will and our life over to the care of God, right? Like, how do we do that? What do we mean by that? It says that the first requirement is that I be convinced that my life run on self-will can hardly be a success. So, you know, this example came to me this morning that, you know, let's say if I'm going to school, right, trying to learn a new skill or, you know, whatever it is I'm trying to learn, and I keep failing, you know, then I'm going to need a tutor. I'm going to need some extra help, right, to to be successful and I was really failing at life just like I had to admit I was powerless over food in step one you know and my life was unmanageable here I'm really admitting that the way I've been living my life is not working and so I need to be taught some new skills 
And, you know, the people on this line were telling me that they need, they had a new way of living, you know, some steps that really show them how to live their lives. And then, you know, on page 62, paragraph three, it says, you know, first of all, I had to quit playing God. It didn't work. And so, you know, when I go to school to learn something or if I hire a tutor or whatever, I don't tell them what to do, right? I don't tell them how to teach me or what to teach me. If I want to pass a test and I'm failing and I can't get it together, I just show up and do whatever I'm told to do. And that was the same thing for me with the steps. I came to the conclusion that my life was not working. I was presented with a specific set of directions. And I had to really let go of everything I knew or thought I knew and just follow the directions I was given. Continue working all the rest of the steps. That was the decision I was make, making. That uh, me playing God didn't work. And that meant that now I would do something I've never done before, which was working the steps. And thank God that did work. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata G. Um, Stacy T. and then Katie G. Good morning. Thanks for your service, Stacy T. in Cleveland. And there are a couple pieces in this that continue to speak to me. So I didn't do this step three uh, the way that it was really set out. I wanted to be relieved of the bondage of self. I wanted my difficulties to be taken away. I wanted to experience love. I wanted to do thy will always. And it was still the I, I, I. And what I came to believe is that my conception of God was not strong enough, was not, um, no matter how I defined the God of my understanding, I was still blocked spiritually um, with food and self-will. And so how could I possibly seek relief from the bondage of self when I was still in competition with my ego with my pride, and with my defiance, that I was in need of full surrender. Because then I felt that full surrender was a way for me to continue uh, sabotaging myself. And so on one of the occasions, I'm blessed to live about 40 minutes, 45 minutes from Dr. Bob's house. So when I went to take the first time, step three, I went down to... Dr. Bob's went with a friend, you know, toured the house, sat in the kitchen, had the cup of coffee. I did all of those wonderful things. I went into Sue's room, got on my knees, and said the third step prayer was full of tears, and I felt really great. Um, But feeling really great doesn't mean um, that it will get me the relief from bondage of self. And so while my intention was pure and good, What was missing was the grounding and rootedness that I truly needed to have the God of my understanding. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Stacey T. Katie D. will be next, and then Tina S. Hey, Julie. Can you hear me? Yes. 
Awesome. Let me start my timer. KDG, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, anorexic and bulimic, and uh, grateful to be here celebrating the blessed fact of my abstinence and the steps, both of those. Um, I don't know how to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, guys, because um, when I first took, took this step, I mean, look, I did a lot of therapy, and I talk a lot. You guys know that. So um, I thought I knew what my will in my life was, right? Like my thoughts and actions is what I heard in the meetings. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And what I'm learning is that I don't know, and the only way to know is by doing the rest of the steps. And for me, that means over and over again. And someone mentioned this um, image um, that brought up for me this memory of like, you know, um, you got to burn down the house, guys. And uh, for me, a lot of houses had to be burned down and you're unmuted, guys, not cool, thanks, um, really deeply because my roots were so embedded in me and what I wanted. I'm going to be honest, like I'm recovered today from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And yet, I continue to find areas in my life, if you know me well, that I need to say, you know what, God, I don't know. And it's very painful because the longer I stay abstinent and do the steps, the deeper those roots seem to go. And um, what I love about this prayer is, you know, that someone else articulated, let me turn my will and my life over to you and take away my hardships, not so I feel better, not so I get relief, not so I'm happy so that I help others. And let me tell you, that's pissed me off sometimes, and excuse that foul language. I'm like, you know what, I don't want to walk through this so I can help others, but let me tell you, when women call me and they're snot-nosed, messy crying because they're single again after being dumped, right, and they want to eat, or they call me and they're snot-nosed, messy crying because they are underweight and they can't understand why the peach fuzz on their arms and everything else is not solving their problems. And let me tell you, every woman that calls me and talks to me about the that I have walked through with the grace of God and only that has been found for me by you women who I could just cry right now. You guys hold my hand. You hold my hand and all you women who are holding my hand right now and I'm scared out of my mind and all I know is that God is with me, you know, because I'm going to turn it all over if it's the last thing I do. I'm going to turn it all over with God and the only way I'm going to do that is continue, continue, continue in time abstinence and step work that's all I got and I'm going to continue to do it for one more day shoulder to shoulder with all of you and with that I pass thank you Katie G Tina S and then James T go ahead Tina thanks Julie for your service Tina S compulsive reader anorexic in Florida what a great meeting fabulous stuff uh, you know and, and I too agreed with an earlier share that you know I didn't come to this step uh, uh, just because you know, it was a struggle for a long time until I was defeated and then needed something and was willing to have something bigger than me in the picture. You know, and I like what it talks about. It says, you know, God, I offer myself, you know, I present myself today. Here I am, you know, build, build with me, you know, and construct me. You know, and, and when I really look at the meanings of these words in a dictionary that tells me, because for a long, long time, and I know I'm not different than a lot of people, I always thought I knew what a word meant, 
you know, I had my own definition and, and, you know, that didn't serve me very well, you know, and to relieve me of the bondage itself. You know, I was so selfish and self-centered most of my life prior to recovery. You know, now I can grow and be, be, be more other centered. You know, I have an opportunity. doesn't mean I'm always doing it, you know, but I have an opportunity one day at a time, you know, and I get this opportunity to have God change me. You know, it's God that's changing me. Tina's not doing the changing here. You know, I am acting as if a lot of times. But, I, you know, and I've heard it said over and over that, you know, I'm just making a decision to go on with the rest of the work. And that's the truth for me. You know, and then I bear witness to others one day at a time. You know, I make this decision daily. And I heard it over and over this morning, you know, to lie my will with God's and to, to be more selfless, to be more selfless and then I have an opportunity to uh, do this deal. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S., James T., and then Melissa C. Good morning. This is James T., um, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, Just a beautiful paragraph that we're on. Much has been said. I just wanted to say that uh, for me, the, um, the, the idea of when I got to step three, I virtually, I didn't pray this as a prayer. I, I, I saw this as a stop sign, warning sign, that I knew that I couldn't go any further without some deeper contemplation. And, and, and the reasoning begins in your mind. It's, for me, it's always asking the right questions or being positioned for the right answers anyway. Because my life is full of mismanaging, <laughs> misinterpreting, overreacting, overreaching, um, and underappreciating. And that's, that's out of that self-centered life that I, I, I was so familiar with that I've always, you know, that I've always believed that God winked at, that God, you know, God knew my faults. I didn't have to be perfect. I understood God to a certain degree. But, I, you know, it, it has always been about the God of my understanding. But I was fearful that this program made, was just one of, those, one of those other things that I could take on to mismanage my own life, that this could have been a futile attempt of one more step of one more challenge, of one more thing that I could do to get my head in a mess and not figure something out. And, it, and, and I had nothing to lose but to, but to go up from this situation. And um, this step three was significant in that it was the beginning of a new target. It sent, you know, what I love about the, 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 the verse that we read is it's, you know, it's, we're, we're looking to bear the witness or bear the message of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life, not my way, not my power or my love. My love is conditional. It's prejudiced. It's got junk going on in it. It's conditional. It's got weaknesses that um, you don't have time to hear. My power is very limited. My power is, is, is it will only take me so far, may, may get me woke up, but beyond the point of that, um, never acting properly. So, it, it, you know, it always comes up with the, by the end of the day, I'm, I'm a nervous wreck, I'm, I'm ticked off, I'm, I'm disgusted, um, you know, and I'm not saying every day of my life was that way, but the reality of it is when you're functioning out of your own fuel, your own power, it's a mess. And, and his way of life, not my way of life, not my philosophy, not the way I just have to believe that everybody else has to believe, but it, it was, it's his way. And when you start to realize that, I love all the capitalizations that are in these in this sentence. And then at last, it says, at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Um, at last means finally. <laughs> abandon means reckless abandonment. I, tr- I truly had to get to a place 
where I utterly abandoned myself to him. And I just said, Lord, if this, if this program is not for me, smack it out of my mouth. Now, I didn't share that with my sponsor. I didn't share that with, I didn't even share that with my wife. I kept that personally and to myself. And I feel bold enough to be able to speak about this today that at this point of, of the juncture, knowing that my life was such a wreck and a missed target and a, and, a, and a misexamination and a misdiagnosis of what I thought the problem was and the solution was that I didn't know. So I had no choice but to abandon as much of God that I thought I knew and as much of God that I thought I had and as much of God I thought I, I, I realized I felt he knew me. I had to abandon myself utterly to him. Now, this, this, this begins a, a process of, of, of relieving myself from the bondage of self. And you see, I lived an imitation life. I don't know, back in the days when I was younger, I, I vaguely remember when imitation milk first came out. You could always taste the difference. I could taste the difference when something imitated. Imitation milk is horrible. And it was horrible to me as a child, and it's horrible to me today, not to say I drink milk, but when you drink milk, you can tell the difference between the real milk and the imitation. And that's the difference Hi. between that's the difference between the life of self and the life that yet we have um, out of a result of this third step without a pass. Thank you. Thank you, James T. And Melissa C. You're next. Hi. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered compulsive overeater in New York, and um, you know it's interesting. Yesterday at work, um, somebody. I found myself in a discussion with someone about prayer and religion, and, um, you know, and I felt a little bit criticized. I felt, um, you know, whether I interpreted it wrong or not, this person said, well, can't you ever just pray for something because you want it? You know, like, she was kind of questioning uh, the content of my prayers, and um, and that's, you know, um, that's okay. Everybody doesn't have to agree with me. I'm learning that, that, you know, I'm getting to be a big girl now. But, um, you know, I was thinking about it and, and how um, even, yeah, in this recovered way of life, no, my prayers cannot be just about myself. I've had a lifetime of praying for just what I wanted, and, and that's what got me here. I'm, I'm an addict, and so myself uh, doesn't know the right prayers for myself, you know. And when I pray strictly for what I want, I'm asking God to, you know, give himself over to me, you know, and that's just not how this works. And when I used to pray just entirely for me, I was left utterly unsatisfied because, guess what? Life doesn't work like that. It's not a genie, and I don't get what I want just because I pray really, really hard. Um, you know, and so that's the secret of recovery for me. That's what has turned me inside out, that my my prayers today is, yeah, take away my difficulty. Of course I want to have you know, a sense of, of comfort, and I want to have ease, but my comfort and ease today comes because I know that what I get, I'm going to be able to live with, and I'm going to be given whatever tools I need, whatever strength I need by, by God, by, by fellows, to help me through whatever comes my way. It's not let me get what I want so that I can always feel happy that way. And, you know, yeah, in the 12 steps, it's like already in step three, we're finding out there is a price to pay. You know, we're going to get relieved of the bondage. We're going to have freedom. 
but it comes with the cost that we're going to have to be useful to our fellows. And that's the greatest satisfaction of all. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And we have time for maybe one more share. Penny C. Penny C. Go ahead. Good morning, Penny. Penny C. Recovered compulsive reader near Boston. one of the things that I've run into during the times I've worked with other people and even myself at the beginning is the wording of the prayer when it comes to where it says, of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. It just doesn't seem to flow. So, um, you know, I've told people, write your own prayer. And indeed, we haven't got to it yet, but in the next paragraph, it's going to tell us that the wording was optional that as long as we express the idea that's contained in the prayer, that's all that's required. And for me now, I love the prayer just the way it's written. But if anybody's having difficulty with the way it's written, uh, then, you know, I invite them. Then say it whatever way you want. Just, Just that you get those basic ideas that... I'm offering myself to God, and I'm not going to try to manage my own life. I'm going to ask God to do it, and that I believe that all all this comes from God's power, love, and in his way of life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Penny C. And Irene, we have um, a few minutes. Thank you, Julie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M., and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Step one, I came from a place where nothing was working for me, and I was introduced to a step one, which was really a life-changing for me because I was being introduced to myself, what is my false self and what is my true self, by being honest to see the truth about myself, coming from out of isolation. And then step two, I chose to look another way. Some, I did something different. I chose to turn in another direction. And what did I see? A door that I never saw before, slightly open with a beam of light coming through, through into my darkness. And that was the invitation to get connected. And now step three, I ran. I ran so fast. I was so hungry. I needed something different. I was committed to take that invitation to walk through that door of that light, to come from my coldness into somewhere where there is warmth and love and had the opportunity to now see hope from seemed hopeless. I see hope. Those two words are in there, see hope. Three, step three is that opportunity to live my true self and to live you know, in, in, in what is true, and the truth always sets me free. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Irene M. Okay. Um, thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And will Mary K.W. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, everyone. This is Mary K.W. calling from beautiful central New York in the Finger Lakes region this morning. 
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, thank you.